This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, February 3rd, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? So, Ryan, I saw on the Slack that you saw the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I did. Uh, so as we talked about the last time you and I got together is uh, Knock at the Cabin comes out this weekend, which is M. Night Shyamalan's follow up to old. Uh, and it is very likely going to dethrone Avatar the way of water at the box office. Finally, um, uh, look, don't get me wrong. M. Night Shyamalan has made some really bad movies uh, and he knows that uh, he had a pretty bad run there. But I think ever since The Visit, which came out in 2015, um, he, you know, he's kept things like smaller and he's made a lot of very interesting movies since then. Uh, I imagine mileage is going to vary on this one, but I will say just for any listeners who are considering headed to the movies this weekend, uh, me personally, uh, knock at the cabin was my favorite M night Shyamalan movie in almost 20 years since the village. So, um, I wow. really liked it a lot. Uh, I think Dave Bautista gives an, I'm not kidding, an Oscar worthy performance in there, at least worthy of a nomination. Um, I mean, he might be my favorite actor working today, which is crazy to say, but, but yeah, it, very good performance driven movie. And I, and I, it worked for me. So, you know, for anyone thinking about maybe, maybe going to see something that is an avatar this weekend, I'd give this one a shot. Maybe I'll cancel my, uh, my fifth avatar screening reservation and make it. No, I'm not, I don't even have an avatar reservation. Wait, have but you it, really it, seen it four no, times? No, no, I was just, oh, I was okay. just trying to. <laughs> make something up i've seen it twice which is probably more than 
I need to see it. But uh, I, I and I liked it a lot. I just don't think uh, I need to see it again. But I, I'm excited. I, I'm going to go see this this weekend for sure. So maybe we'll talk about it on Monday. Uh, but Ryan really likes it, so go check it out. But let's let's hit the news first up. Let's talk about Marvel and Hit Monkey is getting a second season from Hulu, but it's not going to be Marvel anymore. Well, not necessarily. So so first off, this is pretty crazy. Like so, Hit Monkey was first released on Hulu back in November of 2015. Um, it was actually one of the first big interviews I ever did for the site. I interviewed um, uh, uh, the co-creators uh, of the show, um, uh, Josh Gordon, Will Speck, uh, and they were really cool guys, and they had talked a lot about, you know, like, this is a very obscure Marvel character, and they actually, like, wanted to make this show like this wasn't something that was handed to them this was something they really wanted to do so the first season came out kind of came and went the the assumed reason for that is this was part of at one point right before marvel television was shuttered um hit monkey modok tigra and dazzler and howard the duck were all supposed to get shows that was four shows that would result in a big crossover called the offenders well what happened is once marvel television was closed and all of those responsibilities went to marvel studios to make shows like loki and wandavision that are more tied to the mcu most of these shows were scrapped but modok and hitmonkey were pretty far along so they kept them going but modok was canceled after one season so it was largely assumed that hitmonkey would follow suit well 15 months after the original the first season dropped it has been confirmed that hitmonkey will return for a second season uh the action will be headed to new york we don't have a release date, but it, uh, the little teaser that was released on social media does say coming soon. So my read on that is that they've been quietly working on this and we're just now finding out about it. Uh, most of the original team is returning. Uh, so that's really all we know about the show. But what's interesting, it was it was billed as Marvel's Hit Monkey in its first season. Now it's just going to be Hit Monkey. There will still be like a Marvel title card before because it is still technically a Marvel show. But the reason the Marvel part is being dropped from the actual title is because, as mentioned, this was originally a Marvel television production. But uh, now it is being produced by 20th Century Animation. So it is actually technically not a Marvel production because it's not coming from Marvel Studios and Marvel Television. Sorry, I just had the trash people outside my house there. Um <laughs> So sorry, guys. But uh, but yeah, so so it's for, so because it's a 20th century production, um, it, it's technically not a Marvel production. So there that's why the Marvel name is being dropped. Weird, but makes sense, I guess. Um, OK, let's talk about another Marvel thing. And uh, you may have seen in the trailers for Ant-Man Quantumania or Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania that Ant-Man has written a memoir. Uh, and apparently that book is actually coming out. It's called Look Out for the Little Guy, and Disney has released kind of a, a trailer for this memoir uh, online. You can watch Paul Rudd talk about it. It's a 256-page book. It, it, it's real. It's actually a real book. It's coming out uh, in September, so you know the movie comes out this month yeah this month so you're gonna have to wait until like closer to the end of the year to actually read the book itself it's gonna be 26.99 retail uh i don't know i think this is kind of fun because it gets to fill in some of uh the character's backstory and it's written you know by himself so it's a it is a memoir it's a uh 
self-biography. Yeah, that's what's uh, crazy is it's like Scott Lang's in-universe memoir. Yeah. Like, it's so... I don't know. I mean, this is, I think it's, and you can pre-order it right now. Like it's a very real book. Like it's so, it it is 256 pages. They really did this. I I was thinking what, like, this is a cool idea. What other fictional books from movies would you have loved to have seen released? Like, I mean, mine's easy. Do you have one? I mean, I have two. Uh, the first one I was going to say Chaos Theory by Dr. Ian Malcolm. Well, is it? It's called God Creates Dinosaurs because that was my that oh, was my God Create yes that's yeah because that Sorry. was absolutely my pick was God Creates Dinosaurs by Ian Malcolm. I would still read that book if they if someone made it to this day. I would I would also Alan Grant's book uh, which I you know because uh, Tim famously in the first one talks a lot about how he wrote like two books and there was like the one you know like you know but anyway so um. Uh, and then I think it's in Jurassic Park three. They talk about how he wrote another book, but they liked his first book better because like it was before he hated dinosaurs. And I sort of would like to read both of Alan Grant's books in context, the two there. But um. <laughs> um, I, I guess the other one would probably be from my favorite movie of all time, a match made in space, uh, which is from back to the future written by. George oh, McFly. that would be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what other uh, famous books and movies are there. Well, the one thing I was trying to think, and I'm sure that I could come up with some pressed when, when if I thought about it more, but I was thinking there must be like movies where like people have made comics, right? And like those comics weren't real or like they were, you know, and like I would sort of be interested in in, in that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, no, the, the first thing that came to mind for sure was Ian Malcolm's book. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking at a list here. Uh, Four Leaf from Tropic Thunder. Uh, oh, my well- God, that's right. <laughs> Four Leafs book. Oh, I would read the fuck out of that. Oh my god, I love Tropic uh, Thunder. That's right, I would totally read that. How I Did It by Victor Frankenstein from Young Frankenstein. That would be okay, a good that's one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, let me see if there's any other good ones here. Uh, Four Leafs was good. I forgot about that. I mean, this one's a deep dive, but this time by Jesse uh, from the indie franchise before Sunset. Um. Oh, you know what would be another good one is it was a really recent one, but uh, Flash Thompson wrote that book in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was called Flashpoint. Um, yeah, yeah, which I think was supposed to be sort of a reference to the Flashpoint storyline in DC. But anyway, but yeah, that would be kind of a funny one. What about the Tobin Spirits Guide for, uh, by J.H. Tobin from Ghostbusters? That would be fun. Um, I, I feel like that would be more of like something I would just want to have on my shelf and not like actually read. Uh, that that one interests me so much less. But yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of people <laughs> be inter- being interested in that. The handbook for the recently deceased from Beetlejuice. Oh, <laughs> that's but that's hardly like that's more of like a how to. That's not even yeah. really like a book. That's I mean, that's cool. That would be really neat. There must be that that must be a thing that like exists somewhere, right? Like where yeah, where like that like someone probably has like that's probably been made. The other thing is like I don't even know if they really count, but like the Jedi texts from like some of the ones that we see in like the Last Jedi, for example, like some of like because those are like those were books written by characters in the universe that were like they have a very specific purpose, but that would be kind of interesting. I'd read them. How about um, Paul Sheldon's novel Misery's Child from the movie Misery? uh i love misery that's one of my favorite stephen king adaptations that would be good i would read that 
Yeah, uh, Family of Geniuses by uh, one of the Tenenbaums in the Royal Tenenbaum. Yeah, okay. Anyways, I, I'm getting diving down like a hole here, but I feel like how nerdy would it be to have like a bookshelf and you have like one whole shelf just of like fictional books from in from universe movies? books and people yeah. you'd have to you'd have to figure out who you could actually hang out with by like who picked out you know like oh hey. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's uh, that, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Peacock. Peacock, uh, we mentioned this the other day that their free subscription tier, we were talking about uh, something else. And we were talking I, about how much money they're losing. Yes, that's what we were talking about. And I didn't even know about this, but apparently the I, I was questioning, is the free subscription tier worth it for them? And it turns out probably not because Peacock's free subscription tier is going away. They're pivoting towards premium content. So here's the details. So the free tier is not available for new users. So if you sign up for the service, the, the free tier is not avail, available as an option. But if you have the free tier, you are a subscriber. They're not going to remove the feature for those who have subscribed. Um, but... I'm assuming this means that you're not going to like, there's going to be less and less offerings as time goes on, right? Like they're not going to be putting effort into the free tier if they're not even offering it for new No, users. no, this is their way of phasing it out for sure. Yeah. So the move is part of Peacock's growth strategy, according to the wrap, uh, which includes a shift to the $5 premium membership, which offers obviously a larger catalog of contact. And they have a premium plus tier, which also offers downloading, uh, so I wanted to ask you, Ryan, is freemium over? Like, I know we, we see some other streaming services like Netflix, they're, they're going to be in Disney plus they're offering lower tiers with ads, but you still got to pay money. What do you think about freemium? Oh, I don't think it's over at all. I think, I think it might be over for, I think Peacock right now, like we talked about last time, I had serious doubts about their ability to be able to scale up at this point with how much money they're losing. And I think to me, this speaks to that because I don't, I don't know how many people you're going to be able to convert, but I think you need to be able to at least now they're sort of like, okay, we got to take that away and at least see what we can get, you know, and uh for them i i think it makes sense um but but i think the thing is you have you have services like tubi that seem to be doing really well for themselves by going purely on a freemium model you know like where it's like you know you you are are just you know there's free ad supported and pluto seems to be doing pretty well for itself um so i don't think that that model is over but i do think you will probably have a separation of church and state there right where like there will be the premium services and there, then you will have the ones that are sort of like trying to corner the market on, hey, you don't want to pay for another thing. Just deal <laughs> with some ads and come come to us. And like Tubi, for what it's worth, like they have a wild library. Like I don't love sitting through ads, but Tubi's library is nuts. Do like, they have they a have, premium version where you don't have to sit through that? Nope. Tubi's pure thing is just like we are free. <laughs> we come, but they have like Ryan. I will one, never watch it. Then it will never happen. No, I hear you. But I think what's interesting about Tubi is that they have like some of the movies they have, particularly for like genre fans. Like they had like straight up rips of like movies that were not technically legal, but like there were these weird old genre movies you couldn't find anywhere else. Like really? they're just yeah people were posting some screenshots like obscure stuff i might not watch but they're just like tubi has a pretty wild library of stuff and and what's interesting too is a lot of times you'll look for something like is this streaming somewhere 
and it is like on Tubi, like, and, and it might not be anywhere that you can watch it without ads, but like Tubi's happy to, <laughs> but then also there's like Freebie, which is the worst name streaming service out there, which used to be IMDb pro or whatever. That's um, the one owned by Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. So like Freebie has a pretty good library as well, but again, I don't think they're going to move to, so again, I don't think that model's over with. I just think it's pivoting to like a service that is exclusively that or a service that is not that. Yeah. I think it's all a perception thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't well, see, is. like, the freebie thing. It's not, like, Amazon Prime freebie. Because no, you don't, don't want to, like, paint the water with, Yeah, like, and I think I think the problem is Peacock had one foot in both camps, and they had a bit of an identity issue there. Yeah. But I, I also think that, like, it, it, it's perception of, like, value in something. Like, people put more value. You've talked a lot about uh, movies and theaters and stuff like that. If a movie gets a theatrical run, people you know, are more excited to watch that when it's on VOD or streaming They're Like it's like, even though it's just the same as any movie that like is released on streaming technically, right? Like the same amount of effort and time and money uh, is spent on like these things. It's just the perception of like, Oh, this was a premium product that I'm now. So I'm going to pick the premium product over the thing that was just dumped on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I think yeah. perception is huge in that way, and yeah, it does matter. It does matter. But I, I still, regardless of this, I don't think this is like a brilliant move or anything. I think it's a move that they have to, they kind of sort of have to do, but like, I don't think it's <laughs> going to help them get to a sustainable business model, and I, you know, that's just like one man's opinion. I think it sort of sets them up a little better for Hmm, let's say if Comcast wanted to buy Netflix and they don't have to deal with does Netflix now have a free tier because Peacock no longer has a free tier. Again, that's me recklessly speculating, but you know, I I I still don't know if they can get to a point of sustainability at this rate, but yeah, and uh, Netflix is scrambling to get rid of password sharing. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, I want to talk about this Netflix and password sharing. They've been saying for, I think, like a year now, or actually a couple of years now, that they've been trying to, you know, everybody's sharing their Netflix passwords, and uh, Netflix wants uh, some money. <laughs> they, they, they want to make money because, uh, you know, it's not just like family sharing anymore. It's now uh, friend sharing, and there's people across not just the – United States, but actually sharing with people around the world, uh, you know, around the globe. So, uh, so how are they going to do it? We just learned that. So, they're going to be mandating that each device with a specific login be connected to the same Wi-Fi network at least once every month. Uh, there's more to it than that because that would be shocking. Because there's, you know, some people that like obviously travel and have like a a travel thing that they're going to use uh, so the network will be considered the primary network for every account in each profile and those that do not connect through the network will be forced to sign up for an individual account uh, that is with a one exception so when a device outside of the household signs into an account or is used uh, a bit uh, the, the streamer says we may have you verify the device before it can be used to watch Netflix or switch your net your network uh, Netflix household. So I'm going to give you uh, what it says on the Netflix website here. It says to verify the device, Netflix sends a link to the email address or phone number associated with the primary account owner. 
The link opens a page with a four-digit verification code. The code needs to be entered on a device that is that requested it within 15 minutes. If the code expired, you'll need to request a new ver verification code from the device. Once successful, the device can be used to watch Netflix. Device verification may be required periodically. So I think there's a little bit of wiggle room here. So yes, if, if you're using... Uh, it, it, they're trying to make it so that Netflix is used only in one household, one Wi-Fi network. But if you are like traveling and using your laptop or your phone, it will have you like do this verification thing, which is going to be annoying. But it, it doesn't mean you can't use your phone or TV. And it also doesn't mean that like, you know, your your brother across the country that's using your Netflix account couldn't do that. It's just that it's going to. Uh, be an annoyance to you to uh, within the 15 minutes enter the verification code so that he can watch the latest episode of Stranger Things. So I'm, I'm wondering, Ryan, what what do you think about this? Like, is this going to stop password sharing? Um, I think it's certainly because again, I think you're going to have the savvier people that get around it, right? And then I think you're going to have the less savvy people who just want to watch a thing um oh my god I, just, I i didn't even think about that because now there's gonna be all those like i watch a lot of youtube and i get a lot of those vpn ads they're always like promoting in the vpn ads they're like oh you can watch you know netflix titles from other countries by changing your yeah. your location now it's gonna be like them advertising you you know you could share your netflix account by you know yeah saying yeah. that you're <laughs> but i do think it will i i imagine look netflix netflix didn't do this lightly they spent a lot of time deciding how they were going to do this, whether they were going to do this. Um, I think they probably ran the numbers and yeah, some people are probably going to cancel. Some people are probably going to be very annoyed about it. Um, I think that ultimately this is one of the only ways left for them to get a, a decent number of new subscribers. So they're probably hoping that, it, and they, their numbers probably told them uh, people rather than deal with, whatever it would take to continue sharing a password. Because again, like you're saying, there, it's not that it's impossible. It's just that like it, it's going to cause inconvenience for some people. Y y people may just go, screw it. I'll pay the 10 to $15 a month just to not deal with that. And, and well, I, th I think know, that's smart because that's what happened to music, right? Like MP3 downloads, Napster, all, all that, like it became more of an inconvenience yeah, to download pay, it than it was right, to pay for it. Right. People will pay for the, my, my, my best friend in the world, uh, he refused to pay for music. He got to a point and I, and that's a big sticking point for me. I believe since seventh grade, I was the most unpopular person I knew because I was like, don't illegally download music. This is bad. And, uh, and I still am that way to this day. And, and. So, but when Spotify, so he didn't pay for anything, but so once Spotify came in, he's like, screw it. This is easy. You know, like I, I would rather pay <laughs> my 11, 12 bucks a month to just have it be easy than, you know, so I, so I do think there's an element of that for certain people. Um, I do think this is going to be wildly unpopular though. And, uh, you know, the initial adjustment is going to be, you know, people are going to be unhappy, but I just think for so many people, Netflix is just such a weirdly essential expenditure month to month that, yeah. Um, you know, they're just going to say, screw it. Um, I, I think don't this think is a very smart way of, of handling it. I think the mistake here for me is not offering a more expensive tier that would allow extended family it would allow like, you know, 
three households or something. I, like that. I don't. I wouldn't doubt that that's something that would come into play. But I think the other thing is though that they need to sort of be able to goose those subscriber numbers, right? They need to say we have new more subscribers, not the same subscribers on a higher tier, because like they, you know, the, that Wall Street likes those bigger numbers. So um, that would be my guess on that. But I also don't think that that's an impossibility down the line. I just. Uh, yeah, I think this is something, and the other thing I think, and you know, we've seen this, we're going to talk about something in a second, and I can connect a point here, but I think what we're seeing is that there are trends in the industry, right? Someone's going to put their foot out there first, and if it works, others will follow. If this is successful for Netflix, other companies will do something similar. You know, like, this is just the way that it's going to be, because it's, it's you know, so, you know, don't, you know, if this works, ex- expect this to be the normal. For sure. Okay, the last story I want to talk about today is Showtime is rebranding. We're going to tell you the new name in just a second. And uh, they've also canceled a handful of shows. Some stuff is going on there. So the new name for Showtime is, wait for it, Paramount Plus with Showtime. Right. And people, (laughs) if people don't know, Paramount owned so like Paramount, which used to be like Viacom CBS, it's just now called Paramount because they rebranded after, you know, whatever. But Paramount owned Showtime. So those were like separate entities because Showtime was largely a premium cable network. They launched Paramount Plus as their streaming arm, Showtime. They just finally decided that like, screw it, it's better to combine these things to have a better shot in the streaming game long term. By the way, I don't think this is like I know this is like a long thing and no one's going to say I'm going to go watch Paramount Plus with Showtime. Right. Like they're not going to say that. Um, they're just going to say I'm going to watch Showtime. But I, I actually would have preferred this for like HBO Max or whatever they're going to call it. Um, like I would have preferred like Warner Brothers Plus with with uh, with HBO. Uh, Maybe. You know, I don't know. Um, again, I think branding is so hard for these damn things because you have to sort of explain what the hell is under this umbrella, right? Netflix was lucky because they were just Netflix. Everyone else had to be like, you know, that's where, again, that's where I think Peacock failed badly. Like nobody really thinks of NBC as the Peacock. You know what I mean? It was like, I get why they did it. But like HBO Max, like HBO was the strongest brand in HBO's, you know, uh, under Warner Media's umbrella, so like, of you know, I get why you go with the branding. Although I did, again, I mentioned, but then now they're considering changing it to Max, which is like the least right interesting be- part of the com- the component. But, be- but because they put themselves in a box, like I, I read, I just recently read the It's Not TV book, the HBO uh, uh, sort of like chronicle chronicled the history of HBO, and yeah. at the very end, they sort of went over HBO Max and they talked about how they arrived at the name and. A lot of people internally at HBO Max were like, or at HBO were like, look, you, we don't, you don't want to tarnish the brand because HBO is what it is. And so there was a lot of debate about that. And, and you know, the, the, at least with this, people understand, oh, I get Showtime stuff now too. I don't know that it's a great name, but I, it does sort of explain to your average consumer that like, oh, I would get Showtime if I subscribe with Paramount Plus. And like, so I think it sort of accomplishes that. I don't know, why not, why not just call it Paramount Plus Showtime? Paramount yeah, Plus that, with that Showtime. Was, or just Paramount Plus Showtime, right? Because like that yeah. is sort of like, because uh, Mike, uh, who writes for us, um, 
uh, uh, he, he had made kind of made that joke, but I don't know how much he was joking. He's like, it was right there, you know? And, uh, <laughs> um, but look, I don't know. I mean, again, the branding stuff is, as these companies merge, as these bigger studios have to look at how to sort of manage their different media arms, it's not easy. Um, and so I don't envy anyone having to make those decisions. At least here, your very average consumer understands what they're getting. And of course, uh, the merger here will likely result in light layoffs and programming shakeups, um, which is unfortunate. But like, you know, there's going to be positions, you know, Showtime had an app, uh, Paramount had an app. Like, you know, there's just like multiple people doing the same thing. So it, it makes sense if you're going to put them together that uh, some people are going to probably lose their job. Uh, well, yeah, but, and uh, it's important to note here that it's not just the name change. Like, like this is a merging of the two arms. So, like, yeah. so you're, yeah, you're going to have redundancies. And uh, the program shakeups have already started. So three Showtime series immediately uh, have been canceled. That includes Let the Right One In, Three Women, and American Gigolo, none of which I have watched, but... Uh, the showrunners are shopping around for new homes. Uh, there's a memo obtained by the Hollywood Reporter that comes via Paramount CEO Bob Backish. Uh, it says, the new combined offering demonstrates how we can leverage our entire collection of content to di drive deeper connections with consumers and greater value for our distribution partners. And... Uh, the full integration of Showtime and Paramount will take place later this year. So it's not going to be something that happens right away. And it's going to impact the premium tier of Paramount Plus as well, which will share the new title along with the Showtiming pro Showtime programming options. Uh, Chris McCarthy, president and CEO of Showtime and Paramount uh, Media Networks, writes in another memo that the company will stop investing in projects that, quote, are underperforming and that account for less than 10% of our views, unquote. That's a bold statement. Well, just because, <laughs> I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, I guess Showtime, because he's most, I think he's mostly speaking about Showtime stuff, right? But like, if if it's accounting for less than 10% of your views, well, how many shows do you have on the air at a given time, right? Like, like it, I don't know, that makes it seem like the, the amount of shows you're going to ultimately invest in are minimal and you better have like a big hit and i sort of get that but that you know you're sort of cutting out the netflix strategy there where you can pitch to a smaller audience with the right show you know you're sort of saying you gotta cast a wide net or nothing well that's actually a good question how many showtime shows do air at one time because like if you think about hbo before hbo max i, I don't know what it is now but like they would only have one or two shows. Well, no, on, not right? necessarily going at anyone. I mean, you'd probably have a handful. Yeah. You know, because because they had different production cycles and HBO was never beholden to the standard network schedule. And also you're not even thinking about you're just thinking about their bigger because they also always had stuff like real sports. They had. Oh, stuff like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about the amount of shows that they actually probably have going was a lot more than that. And even stuff like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like stuff like real sex or some of those late night things like, you know, like, or, or you had like, you know, so, I mean, they probably had, you know, it's probably more than you realize because you're talking about, you know, you're thinking about like yellow jackets. You're not thinking about, you know, um, the, the other stuff that's, but so that, but again, this gets to the point that they're going to start sort of 
you know, really looking at that stuff and whether or not any of that's worth an investment to them. Okay, I'm just going to quickly look at this. Uh, so currently, uh, Showtime has billions. The the chi chai, the Probably chi, chai. The chi. I think that's chi? been God. That's been on for what a handful of years now already. Yeah, the L word, Generation Q, your your honor, mm-hmm. Yellow Jackets, super pumped. So that's six shows right there. Then they have a comedy. I love that for you. And then they have a bunch of docu series and unscripted, which I'm guessing does not count to this like 10% thing because that's just well, so cheap but I'm, to but produce. I'm, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. But but again, so what I'm saying is that's more than you probably realized. And so they're going to look at, yeah. you know, what what really um, gets moving there. But the other thing I think is like, so I was talking a minute ago about, you know, sort of how if this Netflix password sharing thing works out, you're going to see a trend with other streamers probably following suit. Well, like, Everyone last year was up in arms about what H- Warner Warner Brothers Discovery was doing with HBO Max, where they were axing shows from the service. You know, things were disappearing from the service. Shows were canceled left and right. Things that were even in development. Well, now we're seeing Paramount Plus is doing similar stuff, right? Like Showtime's doing similar stuff. Because, like, I think even, I know you don't have it here, but, like, the Twilight Zone was removed from Paramount Plus, the revival yeah. with Jordan Peele. Like, so you're seeing this is now becoming an industry standard. Netflix has been doing stuff like this. So like, sure, someone's going to do an unpopular thing, but if it works and it makes business sense, other people will follow suit. Well, we were so operating operating in like this fantasy world where they could just greenlight as many shows as they wanted and like the, the, the data didn't have to back, you know, renewal. Sure. Like, I don't know. But we're not even, but you're not even talking about now greenlighting shows. You're talking about stuff that's been wrapped up for two years. Yeah, that like is, you know, that now is not going to have a home, you know, more or less like unless I think the weird strategy that we're going to see happening for a while now is what will happen is like these otherwise these shows that essentially like expired because they have no place on the homepage algorithm anymore for these streaming services. Maybe they get licensed temporarily to a new streaming service. And then that seems, quote unquote, new on that other streaming service. So like if Netflix were to license the revived Twilight Zone series, it would have new and fresh value to them where it had sort of been like stale on that other streaming service. So you're going to get into this weird cycle now where other services are probably licensing content to other services now, which is so weird because like that gets away from the whole point of exclusivity that everyone had been operating on for years. And I don't know. I think it's all going to get so weird for a bit. Okay. You can read about all these stories on Slashroom.com. You can find this podcast Slash Home Daily on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Slashfilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday.